Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. In this episode, Elizabeth Hagen discusses her book, Brave Church. You know, when I was writing Brave Church, um, I was not thinking about what I believe, what Elizabeth Hagen believes about the topics of racism, sexuality, mental health, um, domestic violence, and infertility and miscarriage. I didn't want this to be a, a book of, you know, my thoughts on these subjects. Like Rosalind said, sometimes I feel like we think, well, we're not experts. And yeah, I'm not an expert on all of those topics, but I, like you, we're an expert on how to start conversation. We're an expert on how to bring people together. We're an, we're an expert on how to build community. And that's exactly what the experience of Brave Church, I hope, will be for you. You know, someone commented about the book, this does not say Brave Pastor, although I do believe it does start with the leadership. It says Brave Church. That means that everyone has to be a part of this. You know, and I talk about um, my own individual ministry and the, the places I've been called to serve. I, I think that there's often one necessary ingredient um, in doing the work that I've done with um, congregations and with other groups, and that is you have to have an open heart. So I would say that that is the necessary um, uh, first step. This is not brave work. Brave church is not necessarily for um, everyone, if you have a closed heart, now I'm not talking about your mind, you know, I think your mind comes next, but if, if you have an open heart um, to experience perspectives that are different than your own, then I think that this is the book for you and this is um, the experience um, for you. You know, I intentionally um, pulled on sources from a variety of Christian traditions so that someone wouldn't think, oh, I'm now offended because you just quoted that source and you didn't quote my source. Um, I, I really did look at conservative, liberal, moderate, everywhere in between, so that someone doing this study would find their own voice in it, um, and that they would feel like this was not some, let me make you be into this type of person, but that you would feel welcome. And so the book begins, like I said, it's Brave Church. Um, everyone needs to be a part of the conversation. It begins with some intentionality. And so what I hope is that folks would um, do this together, not just read it, although I hope you read it too, but it's a, a way to set up conversation, to get together a group of six to eight individuals who are willing to say for this time in this space, different than a Sunday school class, different than a normal small group, that we're going to have some intentionality around our conversation. And in that, I give you five different brave space rules. Now, these rules came from some research that was done at the University of New York um, by some college educators who were getting very concerned about conversations of social justice, in particular racism, and how they were not, the students were staying in their safe spaces. You know, I believe this, I'm over here. I believe this, I'm over here. Um, and um, I think that that's, pretty common in our church life, right? Like we know where the camps are theologically sometimes. So we know what type of church to go to um, because they believe this and we wanna stay away from that or vice versa. Um, but these educators came up with this idea of how to bring people together in brave conversation, knowing that it's different from how we usually gather small groups to make them safe and to make them confidential. 
So I just want to tell you really briefly, what are those five different grace, grace rules? And thank you, Leanne, for talking about the article that I wrote. You can find those listed um, in that um, if you would like a reference point. The first one is that we will accept conflict and commit to the way of kindness. Now that seems, um, it's a pretty statement, but I know it's much harder than it seems because I think we get put off by conflict, don't we all? <laughs> that we think if we're having a thriving community, if we're having a, a gospel-centric, you know, awesome gathering, then people are getting along. But that's simply not true. Um, conflict is a part of life together in the body of Christ. And so we have to understand that when we begin to do brave work with one another, that there is going to be conflict. But the key is that we accept conflict with kindness. And I really like, Rosalind, what you're talking about in your setting where you're, you're beginning to have conversations about racism and this idea of we have to learn how to be kind in our tone of voice with one another. I think that that is so important. Um, this rule really speaks at one of the un, um, unsaid rules in church life, which is, I know you could finish the statement if you were here with me, we're just going to agree to disagree right <laughs> um but in doing that um we sometimes silence voices that need to be heard so we're going to first of all we're going to accept um conflict and commit to the way of kindness um the second thing um is that we take responsibility for how our own words are received um that goes against this idea that we often have in conversations tough conversations that well, we say to one another, just don't take this so personally. I just want to tell you what I think. I don't know. I've heard that in my congregation numerous times. Um, but in brave church, we take responsibility for how someone hears what we say. So even if we don't mean to be sexist in our comment, even if we don't mean to be racist, even if we don't mean to be dismissive of another person's experience, if someone feels disrespected or someone feels not heard, we take ownership of that. That's the second brave space intention. The third is that we ask permission before we challenge one another. Um, we don't just barge into someone's space you know, when there is someone who has an idea that we disagree with. We realize that we're all human beings and that means sometimes we're gonna have tough days. Some days we're going to be tender about particular topics. And just because I had a miscarriage doesn't mean that I wanna talk about it today or just because I'm a victim of racism in this situation at my job. It doesn't mean that I wanna talk about it today, but sometimes I do, sometimes I really do. And so we ask permission before we get into those more personal subjects. That's the third brave space rule. The fourth is that we show respect for one another graciously and receive feedback if someone feels disrespected. Um, I think it's a common place thing to say in our small group settings, well, um, just respect everyone. But we don't often know what respect means for you and you don't often know what respect means for me. I'll tell you a quick story. I was planning and um, several years ago, a series of joint worship services with my primarily Caucasian congregation and my friend's congregation, which was primarily African-American. We were coming together for some really cool joint activities and we were dividing up the task as pastors as to who was doing what. And on this particular occasion, it was my job to do the bulletin. So we had planned the service and I had everything organized 
in this context. And so I'm pretty informal in my pastoral presentation. You can call me Elizabeth if you want. You don't have to call me Reverend blah, blah, blah. So I had just written in the bulletin, Elizabeth Hagen will be saying this, and I did the same for my colleagues' congregation. Well, you should have heard the phone call I got when they got the bulletin um, in their inbox. Um, they said, um, what, oh, pastor, you got to change this. And I said, what did I do wrong? And they said, you know, in our context, in the African-American church, it's really important. You know, our dignity has often been taken away. And so titles are very important. So I need to be listed as Reverend Doctor and then my name. Um, the other participants need to be called deacon or trustee or brother um, or sister. And these are really important for us to feel respected. Now, in that case, I wasn't trying to be um, unkind to my colleagues' congregation. I had, it didn't even cross my mind. I was treating them the way I wanted to be treated. But in that case, um, hurt happened um, until I was able to learn how to respect them the way um, what respect looked like in that situation. That's the fourth brave space rule. The fifth one is that we will use I statements um, instead of you statements, that we will not attack one another. Um, I know that that might seem commonplace. Um, we, some of us have been through pastoral training where we really practice using I feel, I see, I do so much. But I think sometimes um, amongst our people, that's not something that they're used to. It's very easy to start using the word you. You did this, you, you, you did, you know, and it, it, it can be so off-putting um, to folks that they feel like um, that their views are not wanted or that their experience is not welcome. And when you start to get into very personal, um, uh, personal stories, personal experiences, to always remember to take it back to I um, and your experience of being a part of a group, that's a really essential way um, to set up a brave conversation. Now I tell people that I became a pastor because I wanted the church to be more authentic. Um, and I believe that setting up brave space conversations in your church is a way to help your people be more authentic. Um, it's, it's a way to help folks who normally might feel left out because their stories are not the primary stories that we lift up in the church to feel heard. Um, I have had folks who read early drafts of this book who said to me, um, it's a lovely idea, this whole brave church stuff, but my church is not even safe. So how could, he, how could it be brave? I don't know, some of your comments, you're, and you said, um, well, I was asking if you felt like your church was brave, some of you said no. And if that's your case and you're in a hard placement right now, please hear um, all of my pastoral love and energy sent towards you. I know that it is um, a difficult road, what we're doing together. But I do believe that even if your church does not feel like it can be brave or if it's not safe, my hope is that brave church could be a tool of reconciliation between people. That someone for whom has had an experience of one of these tough topics that we don't talk about, that it could be a book that's brought forth and that you can exchange among one another. And, and even if it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation that you have, that that could be a real gift to a person so that they know that they're seen and heard and loved by God the same way um, that those 
who maybe have um, the louder views in a converse, conversation um, might feel. So thank you all so much. Um, and I think we're gonna um, at this time ask for questions, right, Leanne? Yes, um, I've picked up a couple things in the chat I would love for you to address, Elizabeth. A couple people are newer to their congregations or were new before the pandemic. And so one of the issues is I don't feel like I've built enough trust to bring up tough, tough topics. I wonder if you can talk about how this process could actually build trust. That's a great question. And I think we're doing a lot of work right now as pastors, as we're thinking about reopening certain parts of our congregational life or reopening them in a different way. And actually um, my book was one of those that got delayed because of COVID and all the, the things. And I you know, got frustrated with that. But then in the end, I think it came out at the perfect time because this is exactly where we are um, as people of faith. Um, maybe right now, even if you feel like you haven't had a lot of experience with your con congregation, um, this is a perfect time to start talking about tough topics, which you may think, oh my goodness, you're crazy. But hang with me for a moment, because I think that it is, it's, it's an opportunity to go deeper with folks in your congregation. It's an opportunity to really get to know people. You know, I did this pilot study with my church. I had been there maybe a year and a half. Um, almost two years. And there were things that were essential things about some of my key leaders who were very active in the um, pilot study, who I just didn't know. And I just, it, it sobered my heart as a pastor to think these are, these folks had been through these really difficult, tough things. And I wish I would have had an avenue to learn about that sooner in my journey with them as a pastor. Yeah, I've got to agree as somebody who's um, in the process of getting back to some sort of regularity um, of, of coming together in person, that it, it's a, uh, Bonnie in the chat said it's an opportunity, it is, it's a great opportunity to, to think about what's important, about why we come together, about why it's important to get back together and to, to really go a little deeper instead of coming back and just staying on the surface and, and going with the foam and the fluff. Um, you know, if we've learned anything over the last year and a half, it's, it's to work out what is really important to us and what we really need. Would either of you like to say a word about bringing uh, lay leaders into this process, that it's not this thing that Pastor Rosalind wants us to do? <laughs> How do you um, kind of cultivate some people who are already cheerleading this before you bring up tough topics in your congregation? I think one way to do it is to just to listen to the topics that are, that are, listen for the undercurrents. You know, in my case, as I said, writing Whom Shall I Fear, um, it wasn't an undercurrent. It was right there on the surface. People were coming to me with these ideas and, and these concerns and this anxiety that was out there in the world. And, and so it was a pretty easy call to turn around and say, okay, we need to sit down with this and, um, and have some prayer and have some study and, and have some companionship together in these topics so that you can be less anxious, so that you can be less fearful. 
Um, but I wonder what you think, Elizabeth, about the idea of listening for those undercurrents of what are people almost but not quite saying um, and, and engaging them to say, would you like to talk about this? Right. I think starting with the uh, you know, a poll or, you know, an informal conversation with your leadership. What are the things that you've never heard talked about in church? I mean, I know when I was talking about um, my book that was purely just on infertility, I had so many people come up to me and say, this has been my experience. And I've never heard a sermon on this ever before in my entire life. I've never heard this mentioned in church. And I'm like, this is so sobering. I think that there are topics um, and maybe it's some of those that are in brave church um, or, and uh, maybe it's, it's about gun violence and gun control. Maybe it's other topics, but start with a, just an open-ended conversation. I think that there's no um, loss in asking a question. I mean, questions aren't controversial. Questions are just asking for answers and start, start with a question and ask your people, what, what have they never heard a sermon on? What would they like to talk more about in church that they feel like uh, is not mentioned and see where that takes you. I think that's a great question. What have you never heard a sermon on? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun excellent. sermon series <laughs> for a summer sometime. Although you get kind of in trouble of like, oh my goodness, I have to preach on that, you know, but um, uh, it can be really fun.